Welcome to the Purposely Driven Podcast. Each one of us has a part to play in this world. Our strengths and our gifts make our communities a little bit sweeter. Join me, LaToya Guillory, as I interview community leaders, entrepreneurs, stay-at-home moms, and more. Find out what drives them to get up in the morning and fulfill the purpose God has for them. Kiwana T. McClung is an associate professor in the School of Architecture and Design and Chief Diversity Officer at the University of Louisiana at Lafayette, a graduate of of Louisiana State University's School of Architecture and Design. Kiwana is nationally recognized for her research and efforts toward increasing diversity within a school of architecture and equitable, inclusive curricula. In her role as Chief Diversity Officer, Kiwana is responsible for fostering diversity among students, faculty, and staff, as well as ensuring that underrepresented groups have equal access to educational opportunities and resources. Prior to joining the faculty at UL Lafayette, Kiwana worked as an architectural design for several firms around South Louisiana. Since starting at UL in 2013, she has served as the faculty advisor to the UL chapter of NOMAS, the student organization for the National Organization of Minority Architects, and also chairs several committees at the university, including the Diversity Advisory Council and the Graduate Council's Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Access Committee, otherwise known as IDEA. She was recently recognized by the University of Louisiana at Lafayette as their 2021 Eminent Scholar in Leadership and Service, one of the highest honors awarded by UL. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of my Purposely Driven Podcast. I'm Latoya Guillory with Empowered with Purpose. Today I have the opportunity to introduce to you Miss Kiwana McClung. She is the Chief Diversity Officer in the Campus of Diversity at ULL, also known as USL or SLI, however you prefer. She is also Associate Professor in the School of Architecture and Design. Welcome, Kiwana. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well today. How are you, Latoya? I am doing wonderful, and I'm so glad to have you here with us and allowing us to hear your story, get to know you better. Um, Not too many people know too much about Lafayette School of Diversity or Campus of Diversity and the professors and whatnot that we have on campus. And so many of our students have you seen in the last few years are wanting to have someone that looks like them. And you Mm -hmm. have a unique role in the School of Architecture and Design, as well as a campus diversity or chief officer of campus diversity. Tell us a little bit about that and your experiences. Sure, so I became an assistant professor um, in the School of Architecture and Design at UL back in 2013. Um, I was, I, I intentionally went after the role um, because uh, I was practicing as a, you know, a d- architectural designer in Baton Rouge and um, was wondering, am I going to be spending the next 40 years practicing and being the only face that looks like me? And that really bothered me. It really bothered me. And I remembered um, all of my experiences trying to get through school and, um, and, and how hard it was. And I said, I think I need to do something. And so when the opportunity came up to apply for the position, I applied and I got it and it was a tenure track position. So um, that means that I, you know, I had to spend the next six years proving that I could be a great uh, professor, meaning I can teach and research and do service work. 
um, and that I deserved a permanent position. And so um, I did that, but I didn't want to throw my, 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 you know, my, my goal to this wayside, which was to be representation for students of color interested in entering the architecture profession to uh, mentor them and to guide them, to give them practical advice and opportunities to um, strengthen their skill set and get the professional development that they need um, to be competitive, both for graduate school and for, for going out there and getting a job in the profession. And I was, I'm so happy to say that I've been able to, you know, mentor countless students of color, um, students who are from international uh, countries or so international students, and also just all my students, you know, into, um, you know, the profession with a wisdom and a knowledge that allows them to practice in a world filled with people that are different from them um, and be competitive at it. So um, got tenure back in 2019. Um, and that was kind of like confirmation. Okay, Kawana, you're doing the right thing. I had done a lot of publishing. I had written a, a book which came out in 2021, um, co-edited with Shaylin Woods. Um, I had done countless service projects um, and I had seen so many students transition into the profession that I that I that was kind of like the icing on the cake. Um, and then soon after, just a couple of years after, um, you know, I think there were some people paying attention to all of the diversity, equity, and inclusion work I was doing, both within the school and within the architecture profession and um, architectural education. And so I was asked to step in as interim chief diversity officer. And I'll tell you, Latoya, at first I was just like, me? Really? Like, I don't know. And thought about it. I talked to people about it. I talked to the our departing chief diversity officer, Tanisia Arsenault-Mallory. And um, she gave me a lot of insight. And she kind of, kind of revealed to me that she endorsed me to be the person to step in, you know, and um, that, that meant a lot. So um, I decided to take it and I really did see it as temporary. I was like, this is just going to be until they find somebody, <laughs> you know, they're going to do a search. <laughs> um, I did not intend to go after the position until I saw the, the larger impact that I could make in that role. And when I saw that larger impact, I said, okay, I'm going to go after it. So I went after it and I was named permanent chief diversity officer back in August of 2022. And so I've been serving in the role for uh, over a year now, um, but uh, serving in the role permanently since August. That's amazing. And I love I love how that just kind of worked itself out. First of all, okay, Mallory, Tanisha Mallory, that is a great- um, yes, False. Yes, <laughs> that is a great endorsement right there. But then also the fact that when you started out, your main goal was to uh, help people who look like you mm -hmm. get into this craft mm -hmm. on a whole nother level. And now it's not just about practicing and teaching anymore. Now you're, you have a wider, a wider reach because of the fact that you're a chief diversity officer. And we were talking earlier in Acadiana, which we call Acadiana here in Lafayette, the eight regions that surround us, including Lafayette, you are the only chief diversity officer, mm -hmm. assistant professor in School of Architecture and Design in our area. Yes. That is amazing. That's amazing because you're, you're really blazing trails. Yeah, and I didn't think about it like that at first. Like I said, I wanted to help people who look like me. I wanted the profession to be more diverse. Ended up finding that there were a lot of more people that needed my help. Um, and, and so kind of broadened what I was doing a little bit more. Yeah. Um, just to kind of think, how can we just make, you know, all of these things more accessible and more inclusive to everyone? Yeah. And, and now I'm doing that on a campus-wide kind of scale. And, and really because of my role and because I'm, you know, um, you know, one of the only, because I kind of think Tanisia still lives in town, but, you know, her work is remote. Right. So, you know, since I, I, I'm doing it in this town and people kind of know, 
I kind of by default end up being the person that community members and um, people in all types of organizations around the Acadiana area come to and they want to just talk about what are you doing? How are you doing it? And the interesting thing is a lot of um, the the groundwork has already been done by Tanisia. um, And, but I just bring a different perspective to it because, you know, I'm, you know, I'm an architect by training, (laughs) you know, and trade. And so I ha- I look at this work through a built environment lens, through a spatial lens. Yeah. And so I bring that into this work. And I, and I, and, you know, some of the first things that I took on was thinking about, you know, how do we make campus more inclusive spatially in terms of our facilities? Yes. Um, and so jumping into the gender neutral restroom project and, um, and now you know, I'm thinking about that in all types of ways, you know, not only in the School of Architecture where I'm doing collaborative research with um, Leanne Hancock, she's an associate professor in the School of Architecture and Design as well. And one of our former students, Chris Lyon, um, we are doing research on how to make the studio environment more inclusive and equitable for our students. And we're thinking about that more than from a, from a okay, how do we make sure that everybody feels included, right? Yeah. But what is the physical environment doing to keep students from feeling included and how can we change our practices and the way that it's laid out um, to to make sure that everyone feels they belong and that they get the experience that we hope they get and that is also just thinking through the lens of um, students who are disabled and students who are neurodiverse and students um, uh, who might be introverted um, or students who just don't feel confident enough to yeah. reach out and make connections with their classmates, you know, so that they can engage and, and learn from them. Because the studio environment is very much about um, sort of peer-to-peer engagement um, to learn the design process. So that's, I'm continuing with my work, but just through a broader, looking at it through a broader lens, looking at it campus-wide and even, you know, community-wide. Yeah. And um, it's, it feels good. I, I, you know, I'm super busy, <laughs> but it feels good to, to be making a difference and to be effective and to make people's lives better. And every time I hear it, like it, it, in this work that I do, I feel like, you know, there's not many wins, you know, you help somebody and it's not really a big fanfare, you know, you just, yeah. you, it's, the wins come from somebody saying, oh my God, you really helped me or you you changed my perspective or things were easier for me or thank you for the work that you do. Like whenever that happens, I'm always smiling the rest of the day because now I notice that somebody has been changed by something that I'm doing, right? Um, And that's, that's priceless. Well, I can tell you when I was in undergrad, one of my good friends, he was in architecture, he was black male. And he was doing big things. He did a lot of some of the architecture that you see like downtown and, and whatnot. Um, he moved back to Chicago after he graduated, but um, that was one of the things that he said was lacking. The things that you are doing, that you're bringing to the forefront, those are the things that he complained about the most. You mm-hmm. know, and the fact that what I love is that Tanisha laid the groundwork, right? It's almost like building a house, you know, she laid mm-hmm. the foundation kind of thing. She did started building it up and then she passed you the baton you're like all right well now it's time to put in the framework you know and and do what I need to do and put my stamp on it and be completely you and authentically you and and okay with that because you're bringing something to the table and maybe you don't see it from day to day in the this is oh my thank you this is my roses that I'm giving to you but whether you see it or not, there are architecture students, design students who, who are thankful that you're just getting up every morning and saying, yes, I'm going to take this on. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I really hope that there are. And, and actually, you know, just yesterday, I um, was preparing for a meeting with um, a colleague of mine. Um, she had just walked into the office and then I had a crowd of students walk in behind her um, from the architecture uh, department. They were our graduate students who I had taught in undergrad or mentored in some way. 
And they were coming to the grad school because it's grad school appreciation week. They were coming there to get their mug because all the grad students who are candidates to graduate this coming um, summer or fall and, and spring, you know, can get a mug to say, hey, I'm a graduate candidate. And so they, before they even went there, they just said, let's go see Kuana. So they popped up at the office and I'm like, what are y'all doing here? And it was just like, we want to see you, Kuana. And it was just so awesome because I know, you know, I, I spend less time, you know, across campus with my students and I know, you know, they miss seeing my face and they're like, hey, does she still exist? Is she still real? I see her, her name still on the faculty list, but we don't see her as often. You know, I don't have an office, you know, over there, um, except for like an adjuncts office that I share with some adjuncts. So, um, and most of them, when they see me, they just see me come in once a, uh, twice a week when I teach and push my little tea cart because I serve tea during my class. <laughs> so that's the only time they see me, but it was so awesome to get them to come see me. And I over there in, in uh, Martin Hall and uh, we talked for like 10, 10 to 15 minutes and you know, I told them that I was looking forward to teaching them in the fall because I'll be teaching all of them in the fall for their last semester. And they were like, we're looking forward to it, Kawana, because we miss you. And so that was, that's awesome. Very awesome. Oh, I love that. So what does a typical day look like for you? You're, you're in the community, you're in the classroom, you're, you're a wife as well. You know, you wear all of these different hats. What does a typical day look like for you? Oh, God, I don't need to know if I have a typical day, <laughs> but I will say <laughs> that, that, that there is a, maybe a blueprint, right, you know, of a day. So um, I wake up in the morning and I, I wake up really early because I don't sleep a whole lot, you know, and it's something I've been working on um, maybe about four hours a night. I, I get that much sleep. And it's not all in one go. It's like, you know, fall asleep a little bit here, wake up and go back to sleep, you know, just kind of like throughout the night. But I wake up pretty early. Usually I'm up by 4.45 or 5. And I try to just maybe lay around in the bed for a little while. Sometimes I I read a little bit, whatever's on my nightstand, you know, or, um, or I, I kind of check the news. Um, or sometimes when I just like I'm fried, I, I, I read a little bit of... Um, I look on, I get on social media for a second and just see what did I miss yesterday? Because I don't spend all my time on social media. Um, and then I'll, I'll make sure that I'm up by like no later than six and I'm walking around the house, cleaning up and making myself a little bit something to eat, getting my, my clothes together to wear for the day. Um, my little doggies, sometimes they need to go out to use the restroom if, if dad's not up yet. So, you know, I, I take my little doggies out um, and then my husband probably around 6.30, um, you know, it's up too. And then, then it's like full speed ahead because he's talking and I'm one of those people who are not a morning person. Right. So I'm just like quiet and nodding and just like looking at him. And he's just like, yeah, happy go lucky. <laughs> you know, sometimes if it's a big day and he knows that I have something big going on and I got to be ready for it, he's following me around playing like some motivational music, <laughs> you know, so he's like my soundtrack. So he's like, you know, uh, a couple of weeks ago when we had the women's leadership conference, he was playing Alicia Keys. This girl is on fire. And he's like following me around the house playing it. <laughs> Sometimes he's playing gospel music, some Kirk Franklin <laughs> or something, you know, so um, I'll do that. And I'm getting dressed while he's following me around and I'm getting my hair together and I'm doing my uh, my makeup um, and everything. And my little doggies are pop hopping up on me wanting to say good morning. Um, and then, you know, I just kind of like, okay, it's time to get out of the house before I'm like too late. So I leave, um, I drive into work while I'm driving into work. I like to either listen to music or listen to some kind of a podcast. My go-to is the breakfast club because, you know, I don't keep up with what's going on. And so the breakfast club is always like giving me the update on things. Sometimes I don't have enough time to listen to all of it. So you know how you can just on the podcast, listen to the donkey of the day. Yes. God, I love it. I laugh so much. Like I just need to like be happy when I get to work. So I try to listen to stuff and that is, it's so hilarious. Cause sometimes it's like, this is horrible, but it's so right. ridiculous that I, all I can do is laugh, especially since, you know, Charlemagne, the God makes it so funny. So I do that. I get to yes. work. And, and then I'm going, like, I, I, I can't even lie, Latoya, the minute I step into my office, I'm going. Meetings, 
talking to people, you know, I see my some of my student workers and I'm always checking on them. Hey, you okay? You doing okay today? Um, you know, work, you know, like uh, I usually have back to back to back meetings and I'm working like after hours. But when I have those times, I say, okay, today I'm going to spend this little chunk of time working on this to get this done. Um, and so I'm doing those things. Um, and then uh, usually right around the time when lunch is about to start is when I'm like, Cheryl, what do you want to eat today? <laughs> what are we eating? What are we eating? And so we we figure something out. Sometimes I think a little bit of head and, I'm, and I tell my, I ask my husband, hey, if you got some time, you know, could you swing by and bring us something or, or we'll order something, you know, and have it delivered to the, to the, to the building and everything. But, um, we eat and, um, and so my day is busy some days, um, like on, on Mondays and Wednesdays, I spend the morning in meetings mm. and preparing for my class because I don't like to step in without having reread what, what they were supposed to read. And we're going to discuss, um, making sure that all of my PowerPoints and everything are ready to go. Um, ensuring that um, you know the the next assignment is posted because I will, I give I post assignments a week ahead of time so that they have time to plan out their weeks mm-hmm. um, and and then I go to my class at one and by by two thirty I'm like okay y'all it's time we gotta leave I know y'all want to stay but <laughs> it's out um, and then I finish out my day with more meetings um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays they're usually. I'm usually running around all day, you know, yeah. just here to there to there. Um, Thursday mornings, I have dedicated time with a colleague that I am co-writing or co-editing. I don't even know what you call it, but we're right. We're, we're doing a book. Um, we have a, a, a book that we're doing on inclusive healthcare spaces. So that is like our dedicated time Thursdays at 9 a.m. to work on that book. Um, and then Fridays, are great because it's usually a half day um, and I take advantage because I usually will have maybe a couple of meetings Friday morning, but at 12.30, everybody disappears and the building gets quiet. And I'm like, all right, this is my time. And so I stay in the building <laughs> and I, and I um, work. <laughs> I work and I get things done. And sometimes I put on a little music and, um, and sometimes, you know, I just kind of, you know, take a break and I'll get up. And uh, I have plants in my office, so I'll water my plants and I'll clean up my office a little bit and dust. Um, but I'll work until probably about six on Fridays. And um, during the rest of the week, yeah, sometimes I'm working until like 7.38. Um, and then I get home and I'm either trying to figure out what's happening for dinner, um, cooking something, um, lately my mother-in-law has just been like taking over the cooking because, you know, she, um, she's here and she sees that I'm working a lot and stuff. So she's just like, Oh, come on, I already cooked. Don't worry about it. Um, and so when I walk in through the door, um, I see my father-in-law first. He's always there to greet me. Sometimes he opens the door for me. He's like, I saw you coming. <laughs> and, um, my, uh, my little doggy, Indiana is the next. He runs up. And he's like jumping up on me. I give him a little rub and then he runs to the stairs. I have a sunken living room. So he runs to the stairs to the top because he's waiting on me to get there so that he can give me a little, a little licky lick on my cheek because I I present my cheek and he gives me a little kiss on my cheek. And then he runs to my office because he knows that's where I'm coming to put down my computer and my bags. (laughs) And then after that, I give him a treat and he knows exactly where the treats are. So he sits right by the treats while I'm putting down my bags and he's like, I'm ready. I'm ready for my treats. <laughs> so I give him his treat. And by the time all of that has happened, my husband um, knows that I'm home and he comes and greets me and he asks me how work has been. And then we, we talk about, okay, what do we need to do? What do we need to take care of? What bills need to be paid and what needs to be done around the house? And what's our next project for the house? And um, and and all of those things. And, and then I just try to take take it easy with him um, if I don't have any extra work to do and I don't go into my office, which I'm in now, I will uh, go sit down with him in his in his man cave and we'll talk a little bit. And then he'll be like, let's watch a movie or let's watch a, this television show. And so I'll just spend a little time doing that. Um, sometimes I'll play video games with him. <laughs> so, you know, just to kind of like uh, de-stress. 
Um, and then, you know, I'll unwind for the night after we have dinner, I'll unwind and I'll read a little bit and, um, or yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of my days usually. (laughs) So that's a typical day, um, for me, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's never that cut and dry. Like there are a few, a few of those things I named out, those things happen on a regular, um, like my doggy and, and all of that kind of stuff and my mornings but uh my days are so different every day and I I like that because I I think I'd be bored if (laughs) you know if it was was all the same humdrum every day so I like it I like having something different um I don't relish having huge challenges when I get there when which they usually have happen I it's like oh god what happened now (laughs) you know (laughs) but um but you know I I I usually just jump on top of it let's fix it let's let's try to improve something improve somebody's life today um and it um I like that part I like fixing the problem yeah and solving the problem it makes me feel really good and I think um I think it comes a lot from just the nature of what I'm, I've been trained to do, you know, mm-hmm. as, as architecture students, you, you're trained to be problem solvers and you're trained to, to look at things like it's a puzzle and figure out how to make it better. And okay. you're trained to think about people because buildings are about people. So it's like, how do I think about what this person needs yeah. and provide that? And yeah. so my, my brain works in that way. It's about, okay, what can I do to improve things today? How can I make somebody's life better today and how can I be better today yeah so yeah I love that but it's still I mean again it always sounds like a lot especially when you're purposely driven because you're you're always all over everywhere and not just Mm -hmm. you like anybody that's purposely driven is Mm -hmm. all over doing all of the things but because you're driven by your purpose it doesn't in the moment yeah in the moment it could be a lot someday some days I'm Mm -hmm. not gonna lie right yes yes as you're doing it like you said like how can I change somebody's life today how can I make somebody smile today you know those students talking to those students for you know a few moments like regardless of what the day holds like there's still those moments that say this is why I'm here yes this is this is my purpose this is my why you know that's it that's it graduation yeah 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 it's helping people it's that that's the thing I I thought about this a lot you know just about everything that I do and and how it's morphed over the years and I and what I came the realization I came to is is why did I get into architecture to to help people I saw environments that people were living in that weren't great and I was like why are some environments great and designed well and make people happy and, and, and make people feel good and people want to be in them. And then why are some so bad and people don't want to be there, yeah. you know? And I never understood, you know, I would see, you know, I, I saw a lot of family grow up low income. You know, my family was fairly middle-class. We didn't have a lot, you know, we had everything we needed, didn't have everything I wanted, but we were doing okay. But I saw family members who just weren't and they were living in conditions that were horrible. And all I kept hearing people say was, I want to get out. I want to get out. And I'm just like, but why? Why not take what you have and make it better? And then why are we always trying to get out of something rather than change something? (laughs) You know, like like make, make something better, change it. And even if you don't feel like you want it to look like you, you change it until you feel (laughs) you know like it looks you know like and so that that was kind of my thing um and and so once I figured that out I realized that that's the kind of work that I have to do I have to do work that is helping people that is thinking about how people can be better because and and I think that it's because I get so much enjoyment Mm -hmm. from people like, I don't know if, if, if a lot of people can say that I, I, I'm fairly introverted, even though I have to be kind of extroverted from my job um, and I have to often recharge when I come home. But it, I find that when I go out, I relish seeing people and meeting people. And I'm always just kind of 
intrigued by how different people are and all of their little quirks and stuff like that. Um, and it's it's always kind of blown me away that 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 all one person needs is for you to smile at them, compliment yeah. them, or just see something about them that people normally don't see, and they come alive, right. and they become somebody different, and they wow. and then they pass that along, and then things are better. And I, I don't, I don't like the negative energy, you know, like of, of people just being angry and depressed and all of that. So I'm always like, I can't let that touch me. So if I radiate as much positive energy as possible, maybe none of that will touch me, <laughs> you know, and I can't say that sometimes, you know, things, negative things don't get into my sphere, you know, but I find that if I say, I'm not going to let it stay here, yeah. um, it usually it usually works out. I I I'm a big believer in you create um, the atmosphere um, that you want. Like you, yep. if you want to be happy, that's not something that just happens. That's something that you work at, you know. And if you want to have happy people around you, like because negative, you know, bitter people. Oh, they hate it, it makes their skin itch to be around happy people. <laughs> so yes. I be I exude as much, you know, positivity as possible. Even if I'm not feeling well, I just smile. I'm like, oh, I'm tired, but I'm, I'm doing okay. <laughs> you know, like and and I'm blessed. So um, you know, that I find that that helps people, other people. Um, and I I I don't know, I don't know what it does to other people. I I've some people have told me that, like that that I have a something about me that, you know, just brings good stuff out of people. Yeah. But um, a lot of it's about me too, about making sure, like, I want to be, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be unhappy. There's too many things, yeah. you know, in people's lives that are already unhappy. And there's too many things that I'm dealing with that aren't the best things. Yeah. Um, and so, but do I dwell on that? Like, if I dwell on that, what does that do? You know, like that doesn't change anything. Right. And, and I'm wasting this beautiful life that I have. So I don't I dwell on it. I just push forward and I smile, but I do recharge. I do have to recharge. It's so funny that you said, you know, you're, you're introverted because I'm finding the more and more that I do this, I'm finding that purposely driven folks are more introverted than they are extroverted they it's true we love people but we people so much that it's like all right i need a moment i can't people today yes i would agree <laughs> yeah. there and it's so interesting that you say that because you would think that it's opposite like we're extroverted love being around people yada 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 but it's it's simply not it's really not it's not i'm i'm an emotional sponge on a normal normal basis and so knowing that about myself I just try to like push out <laughs> you know what I'm saying as much happening so I love getting to know people and and I just want that exchange between us to be positive so I push out positivity um and it's so great sometimes I come home and I say man I met somebody awesome today or oh I was talking to Latoya today <laughs> You know, and, and this was awesome, you know, and, and he's always like so attentive, you know, he, he my husband's amazing. And I, I truly, and I, and I can't say this enough, I truly believe that he is the reason why I'm able to keep yeah. such this happy disposition all the time. He's so happy all the time, like so positive all the time, you know? And so like, he just, it just rubs off on me. He's like always like taking life you know, as it is, he, and yeah. he's super extroverted. So he's like, always like, he's, he never meets a stranger. <laughs> he's like <laughs> meeting people. And I'm just like, who's that person? You know that man? And he's like, I don't know that man, but I just met him. You know, he's cool. His name is, is Gerald, you know, like, and, like, <laughs> like, and so that's, that's how he is. And, um, and it's fun to see his, his relationship with his parents and stuff. He's always like joking around with them. His dad, he makes his dad laugh every day. You know, and I mean, it's it's wonderful, and so I do think he's a big, huge part of of my disposition. Because if I had some 
bitter, angry husband. And he was making demands of me every day when I come home <laughs> and being like, why do you work so much and all that kind of stuff, yeah. then I probably would not be happy. I'd probably be like, oh, mm. <laughs> you know, but no, nah, he's, he's fantastic. So I do think he's a big part of it and everything. But I also think, like you said, that it's about living in your purpose. You yeah. know, when you are doing something that speaks, like I, that speaks to more than I'm just going to get a paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> like you feel like you, you're doing something real, yeah. you know? And, and that, that makes me happy. You know, like, I don't think I would be happy. Like, I, I don't think I could just like chase a paycheck or chase, chase yeah. money or any of those things and be happy. It's so unfulfilling when you do that. Yes, it you is. Know? And and I love that you said, you know, you make your environment is what you make it, basically. Mm-hmm. Yes. You have yes. To be it's intentional about that. Like, yeah, you have to be intentional and not just like, I mean, and I think the mindset comes from being a designer. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, like I, I've had people um coming into my office um because I finally moved all of all my stuff into the office, you know, <laughs> in, in Martin Hall. And he was just like, oh my God, oh my word, it's so nice in here. And I'm just like, yeah, I, I like it to be nice where I'm working. <laughs> if I'm going to be doing nice things and making nice things and creating nice things, I like my environment to be nice. Yeah. You know? And it's it's not like there's anything super expensive or anything in there. It's just pulled together. It's just, it it conveys who I've grown to be that space, just like this space does. So it's, it's I really believe in that. Like not only... Like, I believe that anybody can go and take any little environment and with just a little love and creativity and work, make it better. Yeah. And that was one thing that one of the first lessons my parents taught me is leave it better than you found it. Yeah, absolutely. And like, like and so I'll take that seriously, you know, no matter where I go. Um, and I actually had a woman long ago comment to me on that. I, I, I went in the library. I was in graduate school. I was studying and she worked at the library and um, I was studying there for hours and I was getting books and books and books and all of these different things and had all my stuff spread out over this table. And um, I had all the chairs. I was I had sat in every chair at the table <laughs> at, at, at that point. Um, and then at the end of it, I put every book back and cleaned everything up and pushed every chair in. And this lady made a, uh, uh, you know, and then I just was walking out. And so she made a point to stop and she said, I just want to let you know that I've been watching you for hours, just like go to pieces, studying at that table and doing stuff. But you just like put it all back together. And I don't even think it was that together when you sat down and like, there's not many people out there that do that kind of thing. And I'm just like, I thought about it. I was like, I am very intentional in that way about everything in my life. Like everything has to kind of come together. Um, and, and sometimes when things aren't coming together, it's an indication to me. Like if I, if my desk gets a little messy, my desk is a little messy right now. It's not like just crappy, but I have stuff on it. When it gets a little messy, it it tells me that there's some part of my life that I'm like neglecting or avoiding. And so I'm like, what am I neglecting? What am I avoiding? What, why don't I want to fix this up? you know, and then cleaning it up forces me to start to figure out what it is. Yes. Yes. So I, that's, I pay attention to my environment, not only emotionally and physically, but also just the people in it, you know? So would you say this is something that you would devote your life to, like being in architecture and design, being in campus diversity? Is this something or is there something else that you're like, I really, really, really want to do this? Yeah, I I think that I could see myself devoting my life to this, but I also have realized, especially within these last few, you know, years with with such change and and these Mm -hmm. opportunities that I didn't expect that I can't be afraid you know, of larger things that I didn't expect to come along and like jumping after those things when they come along, you know, it's, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm, I'm on this, this kick of, okay, what's, you know, if some, this is great, this is fantastic what I'm doing and I'm really making a difference and I can probably do this whole, my whole life. But what if something else came along to, to that allowed me to do it on a bigger scale yeah. or do it in a different way? 
or do it for a different, you know, population of people. Like, like I don't want to, you know, turn that kind of thing away. I don't want to like, I don't want to put that energy out, <laughs> you know, that I'm not, that, that I'm not open to that. So um, I, I'm just open to, to whatever might happen. I think that, um, that there are a lot of, of, of opportunities and I might one day wake up and be like, you know what, I've done all that I can do in this space. Yeah. Now I need to do something else or something different, or I, I need to break into a new space. And I don't want to close myself off to that opportunity. So absolutely, I, I very much, you know, uh, like what I'm doing, but I, I, I envision that one day in the future, it might, it might change. It might grow, you know, I'm, it might morph into some other version. You know, I don't know. I was listening to a podcast and it was uh, Pastor Darius Daniels and Kristen Kane. And Kristen Kane started this um, movement and this nonprofit for girls who had been human sex, trafficked mm-hmm. in human sex, right? Mm-hmm. And so, but what she was saying was when she was 20 years old, I had no idea what she would do with her life. And so she was just open to, to like what you were saying, just open to whatever, right? She opened one um, nonprofit and then ended up opening another. And now she's got them in 88 countries, right? Fantastic. Not only that, when she was 40 years old, she went back to school. <laughs> she began her master's degree and whatnot. Now she's in her 50s. You know, she's got all of these things, but she remained open, just like you said, like, you never know at 20 years old, you know, we're 20 years old, we're, we're ambitious, we're like, I'm gonna take on the world, you know, and all of these different things, and, and life happens, and you grow through different things, and, but we never know if we close ourselves off, what bigger things lie ahead of us, and so I love the fact that you said, I just, I'm just here for whatever and wherever life takes me. You know, I'm devoted to saying yes to the things that I value and yes to the things that are waiting for me on the other side. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's wonderful. And I, I commend that sister for going back to school at 40 because I did the same thing. <laughs> That's another thing on my plate. I decided to go get my doctorate in educational leadership. And so I started classes this spring and I just turned 40 in February. <laughs> so I'm like, oh. you're gonna say that. Absolutely. Yes. 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 I, I I did it. I'm in it. And so um, and you know, the the weird thing is that it wasn't a, a decision that was made lightly. I talked to numerous colleagues, people who run this program, people who went through this program, and it was giving glowing reviews. And then I thought about is this the right thing for me? I've looked at other um doctoral programs and um, you know tried to think about, well, what would I, you know, do with this? Yeah. And then I thought about it and I was just like, hold on, what you love is teaching. And it's obvious that you keep getting pulled into leadership positions. <laughs> so you just need to do this, right? And um, I can't even lie, it's been already one of the most rewarding things. You know, it's, it's, it's one, you know, kind of weekend out of the month, Friday afternoons, and then all day Saturday morning into the afternoon. Um, and then weekly just assignments and work and engagement. Um, but God, it's, it's so refreshing. You know, it's, I've never sat back and it's been a long time since I've been a student first off. And then I've never sat back and thought about leadership as a thing that you study. And I've never thought about it um so extensively before and so it's now I'm able to look critically um at my leadership style and my past uh experiences in leadership and say oh Kawana you kind of messed that up you know (laughs) or say oh wow okay so I was doing something that this that's called this type of leadership you know and and um yeah I think I, I think I what I identify the most is I'm a transformational leader um yeah I transform you know and like that's what I do I transform organizations people mindsets um 
And so that was fantastic to learn about myself. Um, it's been awesome to talk to other people who are in the program, hear their reasons for doing it. Um, and also to get almost confirmation because I'm taking this research methods mm -hmm. class to get confirmation that all the research that I've been doing as a, as a researcher, because I you don't get trained to be you know, an academic, <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't get trained to like do, do papers <laughs> and do conferences and all that, you know, you just do it. Um, but to get this confirmation, yeah. you know, in this program that I've been doing it the right way and all of that is, has been fantastic. So, um, I love it. And it's gonna, you know, it's a program that I can probably be done with in three to four years. And that's going to be awesome because, you know, people slip up all the time and say, Dr. Dr. McClung. And I'm just like, I'm not a doctor. The terminal degree for architecture is the masses of architecture. <laughs> and yeah. And then they're just like, we know you're going to be it one day, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's, it's really, um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to having that manifest. And I think it's just, so be, um, I guess it's just another feather in my cap. I'm I'm looking at it for the opportunities and the, and what I can learn from it. Yeah. Um, the bonus is is being you know known as a doctor. Like I, I see doctors every day. They're fantastic people. Like because I'm on a college campus, so yeah. to me that's just like <laughs> I love you know. It. But yeah, it's just this is and this is this is a great I believe challenge for me. Like yeah. I love a challenge. Like I love to say okay that was something I didn't thought I can do but I leaned into my fear and I did it <laughs> yeah it's awesome I love it so what would you say living with purpose is to you oh I think living in purpose is god I think it's it might be committing yourself to something to people um, and, and then finding, you know, in between that commitment, the moments to learn who you are, to be who you are, to be authentic, um, to discover more about yourself, to discover new things, growth too. I, I I don't think anybody can live in their purpose without growing. And like, I don't want to be the same person that I am today forever. <laughs> you know, I don't want, you know, I definitely see that I'm not the same person that I was 15, 20 years ago. And that's awesome. You know, and you, like, it's wonderful to see people that I knew 15, 20 years ago and they say, wow, yeah, so different, <laughs> you know, and um. But so there's so things about you that haven't changed, right? You're still you, right? So um, that's what I would say living in my purpose. I love that. And, and I love authenticity. And I, and I feel like from what I've seen that the world loves it too. They you do. Know? Like they do. we need authenticity, right? It's like, this not even this generation I mean I wouldn't even go back I mean I don't even know what gener generation I'm in <laughs> sometimes I see I don't know either I think I'm somewhere in between one of them yeah I think I'm in between because sometimes I get millennial and then sometimes I get you know Gen Z I don't know I'm in my 40s so let's just say <laughs> <laughs> you might be gen in between gen x and and millennials yeah there you go oh, yeah it is what it is, but mm -hmm. even I can say, I'd rather encounter a real person, somebody who's going to be authentic, somebody who's gonna, not going to sugarcoat it for me and make me think it's all peaches and pancakes, you know, because mm -hmm. life is real, real life mm -hmm. happens to real people. And so mm -hmm. I, I hate when people try to sugarcoat things towards yeah. me, like just, yeah. just what it is, because it is what it right. is. You can't change what it is. But we can change the outcome, you know, if we Absolutely. if we know what, what it is at this moment, I can change the outcome as I step into whatever I'm stepping into, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think like the, what I like about authenticity is, uh, is, is that when somebody, when you meet somebody who's authentic, you know, there's almost, you know, a comfort 
in that, right? Because if somebody's not being themselves, you're guessing, you're guessing yeah. about you what just, they're going to do, yeah. what they're going to say, you know, can you trust them, you know? Um, and, and, and so I, that's what I just try to, I try to just be me. And, and oftentimes, you know, I'm not one of those people who, um, you know, you know, like, I don't like to be abrasive to people. Mm -hmm. Like, like, I know how that feels. It feels like, it feels like somebody's scrubbing me with a Brillo pad when somebody's abrasive towards me. And so I'm very conscious about not doing that, but also being very authentic. <laughs> so I often <laughs> find myself, my husband say that I am the, the queen of not saying one mean word or letting my tone get nasty, but saying something that's just like, oh, you just cut me. <laughs> you know, so I, I that's what I do. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be abrasive, you know, yeah. but, you know, um, I'll tell you when, when you're doing something that's like, you know, like boneheaded, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I'm going to be like, you may not want to do that. That is right. not a good book, you know? So, um, and you know, it's, it's, I don't know. I have that way about me. I, I don't like to be, now I can be cutting yeah. if, if you get me impatient, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's been a long day and stuff like that. I can be cutting and I can, I can come at you, but I, I try very hard not to be that way. I, I, and, 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 you know, I think some people think that that's inauthentic, you know, when you, when you don't uh, just like say what's on your mind. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, but I don't want to lose that person too, in the process. Like I'm, yeah. I always see, even when I'm like telling somebody something real, I see that as a teaching moment and people aren't ready to receive if you, if you do it in a certain way, they aren't ready to be taught. (laughs) So I'm always talking and engaging with people in a way that's like, what's going to make this person most likely to listen to what I'm saying? Right. So that they can take in this, this lesson I'm trying to teach or, or impart to them. Um, and I find that it's more effective, you know, like just this way of, of kind of being really clear about it, (laughs) you know, but being, not being abrasive, not being, you know, like cutting. Um, and so, but, but this is the other thing when you, when you meet people and you get to know them, right. And you get to know their authentic self. Some people, you know, are just stubborn and hard-headed and you have to be that way with them. Mm-hmm. So I do read people. I, I, I think emo- emotional intelligence is so important. Mm-hmm. Being aware of, of who you're talking to yeah. and what they need in the moment in order, to, in order for you to impart something to them is so important. So I'm always paying attention and I'm like, I think it comes to from working with students who, you know, every one of them is different. Every one of them comes from a background, uh, from a different background and they're all trying to learn how to be designers. And some of them I can say, well, listen, have you thought about looking at this? Have you thought about it from this, this point of view, right? To some, to get them to do what I need to do. And then the others, I'm like, listen, I don't need you to do this anymore. I need you to pay attention. Right. Like, uh -uh, don't tell me can't. Don't tell me you can't right. do it. Don't right. tell me, you know, you it's just not in you. I don't want to hear it. I have to, and then sometimes I have to be like, listen, listen, <laughs> you getting on my nerves now, you know? And so those are three different students and yeah. I will talk to them three different ways. Yeah. But the result is all of them do a good job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, all of them tried their hardest. They're like, ooh, Kawana came at me. Let me try a little harder. Or right. Kawana gave me a really good idea. Let me try yeah. that. Everybody needs something different. Yeah. So. I, I do think that I'm a chameleon in that way. Like, depending on who I'm talking to, my my manner of of, of engaging with you may be different. Yeah. Um, but that's because I try to see you. And I get at, that was something also that a lot of uh, my colleagues used to say. They used to be like, oh, you kind of get to know your your students. And I'm just like, I'm gonna go in and have to tear down their work. <laughs> and say, oh, this isn't working and start over. And they probably spent all night on it and put their blood, sweat and tears and they feel connected to it. And I'm gonna tear it down. 
So you yeah. think I'm going to not get to know them a little bit and say yeah. something nice about them first and make sure yeah. that they're in a good mood to hear that tearing down? Because that's what I'm going to do. So oftentimes, you know, I, I'll spend the first few critiques getting to know my students and just giving them a little nudge. Um, and then the next time I see them, hey, you told me your grandmother wasn't feeling well. She doing all right? Yeah, that's good. That's good. She's doing all right. I'm happy to hear it. I'm happy to hear it. All right, let's get this together so we can tell grandma some good news about your project. (laughs) You know, and so that's that's what I do. You know, um, so yeah, I I think it's weird. It's weird that my authenticity is in being responsive to other people. Yeah. Being responsive to who they actually are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Love it. Where do you draw your strength from? Oh, you know, I think that I'm one of those people who, who I always root for the underdog. Mm. <laughs> like, like, I'm serious. Like any movie in which the underdog wins or prevails, I'm crying. Like, I, you know, like, like I'm not, I'm not bothered by it. Like a, any kind of, of, of horror movie or some movie where it's being introspective or like any of that. But if there's yeah. some element of somebody who's an underdog in it, I'm always, <laughs> you know? And so um, I felt like an underdog most of my life. I do. Yeah. And, and so when I see that in other people, when I see people who are counted out, who are yeah. counted down, who are not expected to be, anything who are not looked at and not seen um who are quiet and don't feel like they have a voice like the underdog I'm that person that's like oh no nah you gotta win (laughs) you gotta win and if I gotta be your cheerleader that's what it is and so absolutely I'll find when I'm tired and when I'm you know like drained and everything um all it takes is that all it takes is for me to be confronted once again with the un- uh, underdog situation or underdog yeah. scenario. And I'm like, oh no, we got to do something. We got to do something. So yeah, I think that's um, that's part of it. Um, and then I've always um, been a hard worker. I saw my parents work really hard. I saw my parents get up and go to work every day. and like, and it's, it's, I don't care what anybody says. You can be more talented to me than me. You know, you, you're not going to outwork me. I'm going to work hard. And so um, every time I, I get tired and stuff like that, I draw my strength. And when I'm kind of bro- broken down, I draw my strength from thinking, I don't want anybody to feel else to feel like this. And, and even though I'm tired, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the work to get myself back to where I need to be. And then I'm gonna jump right back into that hard work because that hard work will always get me through. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what is your favorite scripture or quote? Um, um, oh, commit. Thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts will be established. Mm. I like that. And I all always, I actually have my Bible that for years, whenever there's something I really want, and usually it's just something, it's not like a thing, it's not like a physical thing. It's like, I want to get this degree, or I want to travel to this place, or I want this experience. I will write it out and tuck it right next to that scripture in the Bible. Mm. And then I come back and sometimes I'll do that several times a year and I'll come back and I'll look through all of that and I'll realize that all of those things actually came to be. And so, and that's that's it. I think it's, it's about committing and putting it out there yeah. and telling him and the universe, this is what I want. I know I'm gonna get it because I just told you. <laughs> and then go and then go about the work of making it happen right you know and and you won't believe it's it's amazing you won't believe how many times there's been something that I'm like you know 
this is this is what I want to happen and it's gonna happen yeah and I just let it go from there and then everything that I need every every piece that I need <laughs> to get there just falls in place like it's all of a sudden it's and I was just I was just talking about that that I wanted to do this and look at this opportunity I was just saying this I just put the thing in my bible and look at what happened like that's that's my favorite one I I, I have yet to put anything in that book there's one thing that I put in that book that hasn't happened yet but I have no doubt that it's gonna happen you know, I, I like that you said that because I do that a lot too I don't put it in in the bible but I'm always speaking things out right so like even this podcast, like this podcast was on my mind two years before it launched. And I was like, I want to put a podcast out. I don't know nothing about podcasts. So I had self-taught myself how to do all this. Same thing with the, my, my latest venture, the Black Author Expo and Acadiana Black Authors, which is now an LLC, by the way. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't made that announcement yet, but I will very soon. Um, but it's just putting those things out into the atmosphere and then and then basically, all right, Lord, how how do I how do I get there? Because I can't do this by myself. You're gonna have to guide me, kind of thing. And then he just kind of leads and guides the way until it's the way he wants it, you know. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's and that's that's the way to do it. I I am a believer. Um, a long time ago, you know, I used to work in the library. Um so like I worked in it all throughout undergrad and it helped me through school. And I remember hearing a lot about that book, The Secret, mm. and thinking, what, what is this book about? Right. And just kind of ignoring it. But one day at work and bored and decided to read it. It's not a long book. It's a short little book. Um, and that's what that book is all about is your thoughts are your reality. You know, it's about shaping your thoughts and being really positive about it. And I actually had to train myself to think that way, you know, like, you know, it, it it's kind of like, if I'm going to make that drive between Lafayette and Baton Rouge to go see my family, you know, and I'm like, oh, I got to go on that long bridge, the cops be on that bridge. Ooh, I hope I don't get a ticket, right? Um, all the universe hears is ticket, 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 right? But if I say, oh, I want to go to Baton Rouge and see my family and I want to get there safely and uninterrupted, <laughs> you know and with no stops and no interruptions and have a great day then the universe hears uninterrupted great day family you know and it happens and so it's yeah. and that's kind of like the premise of the secret you know like and so I thought about that and I was just like that's kind of like this thing that I do with this with this this bible verse you know like like it's, it's just saying this is this these are what my thoughts are going to be and so I don't let the negativity get in the yeah. negative thoughts linger because when you let them linger they manifest yeah. you know like they really do and so like and I can't tell you how many times I'm like oh my god if I keep working like this I'm gonna get sick and then I get sick <laughs> <laughs> you know so um, I really try to be really intentional about it. I, nobody's perfect. So nobody can just, just get their thoughts to do all these things, but um, it is possible. You have to be intentional about crafting your world and your happiness, everything around you, even your inner thoughts. Yeah. And when I tell you, like, even when sometimes when I'm like dreading doing something and I'm like, oh God, I don't feel like doing this. I'm so tired. I just want to sleep. I just want to lay in a bed and eat chips or, <laughs> you know, like veg out or whatever. Um, and then I think about it and I say, see, I keep thinking that I don't want to do this. I need to think, no, you do want to do this. And then I do that thing and I find enjoyment in it. And I'm like, oh, oh I did want to do this. Also, I find whenever I'm fighting myself and I'm saying, I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to do this. That lets me know, okay, there's a reason why I don't really want to do it, but there's a reason why I should do it. Yes. Because fighting myself so much, like, what am I keeping myself from in doing this thing? Right. And what do you get if you don't do it? You know, like, like that's the thing. So I always weigh that. It's like, okay, if I don't do this thing, 
I just get a few hours to veg out and I don't get anything else. Right. Right. But if I do this thing, I accomplish something that moves me closer to whatever my goal is. Right. Or I don't do this thing and I get rest, which makes me better and in more of a position to go after that thing. And so I'm always thinking about that. Like, why don't I want to do this thing? And what do I get if I don't do it? Right. And then if it all, if all of it, if whatever that thing, whatever's leading me towards my goal, that's what I'm doing. Yep. That's what I'm doing. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Kiwana, this has been so much fun and enlightening. It's been I awesome. So much. Thank you. I'll so tell much. you, Latoya, I've been fighting, like trying to like get to know you. <laughs> like, I've, been, I've been sitting here like, 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 so Toya, tell me like how you started the podcast again and what what drove you to do. Like, I'm like seriously like fighting that because that's my normal MO with people is just to kind of get to know them. But like, I was like, no, Kawana, Latoya invited you so she gets to know you and get you the other people out there to know you. So I've been fighting it. I can't even lie. I've been fighting it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We'll have to get together for coffee or something someday. Me I'll come to my university and hang out with you and Cheryl. <laughs> we need to. We definitely need to. And I saw your baby in the background. I was just like, oh, I want to get to know him. <laughs> I'll bring him to you one day. Okay. <laughs> I'm just imagining a little, a little you know, uh, uh, conglomeration of you and Kevin. And I'm just like, oh, I think he's awesome. He is. He really is. And it's, it's a mess. He, you see both of our personalities within him. Yeah. Oh, and that's he, fantastic. He's something though. That's my little man. I love him to death. And, I, and I'm sure he's amazing because I know both of you and both of you are amazing. I've known both of you for years um, and looking forward to getting, on, getting to know both of you more. So this is awesome. Well, thank you again for having us and letting us get to know you. I appreciate you and I wanted to give you a few flowers now. Well, thank you, ma'am. Thank you for having me. I'm glad we found a time to do this. This has been the Purposely Driven Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this interview and I look forward to you joining me in the future. If you enjoyed the show, click the subscribe button and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. This podcast is listener supported. New shows are posted twice a month for your listening pleasure. See you soon.